You know, on any given Sunday, I know that a lot of people are walking in the door, and what they're really looking for is clarity. They're, they're on any of us are like, uh, okay, um, do we sell the house or do we not sell the house? Do, uh, do we send our, our child to that school or, you know, you're praying about it or is maybe that's not the place for our student to go? Um, um, maybe it's a business thing that you're going through. Maybe it's a relationship thing. Uh, do, I, do I marry her? Do I marry him or not? Uh, should I get out of this relationship? Clarity, clarity. All of us just looking for it, right? You know, we got an election coming up here. And I got a stack of paper on my table from all these different candidates to say, you need to vote for me because I'm the best candidate. And, all these, and, and I think about all the hot button issues that are out there today, you know, everything from gun control to the border thing and, and uh, you know, the stadium and on and on and on it goes. It's like, wow, you know, I need clarity on all of these, these matters because I don't know about you, but I, I, I hate making bad decisions. I mean, you know, I'm old enough to say I've made quite a few of them. Probably you have too. And after, at some point, you go, okay, I'm tired of making bad choices. I want to start making good choices, whether it's on a relational level, a business level, whether, you know, whatever is going on in your life, I want to make good choices. And if you're a Christ follower, you're like, so I really want to hear from God when it, when it comes to these things. When I was, um, when our kids were small, we used to have the uh, Waldo book. How many of you used to have, maybe grew up with this book, or maybe you have it and you share it with your kids? You know, where's Waldo? That's the big question, Right? Where is Waldo? I wonder how many of you can actually find Waldo in that picture there. You might have to search for it a little bit. Um, but when I, my kids were growing up, we had the Waldo books. And so I would, I would, I would study the books for a while because I wanted to know where Waldo was. And then I would go in and, you know, right at bedtime and go, hey, let's do a Waldo book. You know, we'd open the book up. And um, it, it would just take the air right out of me because it took me like, you know, sometimes a few minutes to find Waldo. And my kid would go right there. Right, there, there's Waldo. And, and the, the thing is, I don't know if it was just those childlike eyes that were able just to cut through all of the, all of the other uh, clutter and all of the stuff that's going on, but they could just seem to go right to it. They just had this ability to go, it, Waldo is right there. And I, I think for us, kind of on a parallel level, it's kind of like, where is God in our life? You know, I mean, because there's, there's all this stuff that's going on in our life, there's all this stuff in our culture um, it seems like culture is moving faster all the time, and we're having to make decisions, split-second decisions at times. Well, should I do this, or should I go that way? Or, and, it, and it's really tough. There's a, a scripture. I want to read it to you, and then I'm going to give you the backstory. So Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. So let me give you the backstory on this. One day, Jesus is with the disciples, and they're walking around, and there's this guy who has been He's been blind since he was born, since he was born. And, and Jesus comes up to this guy, and as he's walking up to the, him, the disciples say something really interesting. They, they make an assumption. They say, hey, was it his own sin or was it his parents' sin that he's blind? Because that was the theological belief of, of the day, it's the belief system. And Jesus goes, no, you're wrong on both counts. He goes, this is to express and show the, the, what I'm going to do in just a moment. And so he walks over to this guy, and he does something kind of unusual. You never know what Jesus is going to do. And, and so instead of just like, you know, saying it or putting his hand on his eyes or whatever, he reaches down on the ground, and he scoops up some dirt. And then he does, mixes it up, puts it on the guy's eyes, 
And he said, now there's a pool down the street. It's called the Pool of Siloam. Go down there, wash out your eyes, you're going to be able to see. So the guy goes down there and he washes his eyes out. And next thing you know, he can see. An incredible miracle has taken place. Everybody knows it. Again, these are small communities and everybody knows everybody. So the word is on the street, Jesus this guy, Jesus, who claims to be the Messiah, has done this amazing miracle. Well, this, you can't believe the controversy that it creates because all of the religious community, a lot of the religious community, they don't believe in Jesus. They don't believe he's the Messiah. They don't, they don't believe that he is who he says he claims to be. And so they, they pull this guy in and they begin an interrogation. And they say, you know, we know that you were born blind. How did you get, like, how is it that you see? And he goes, well, there's this guy named Jesus. And he said, I think he's a prophet. Uh, and they, they immediately start, and they go, no, he's not. He's, he's a sinful man. We know he's a sinful man. We don't believe in this guy. The guy goes, all right, okay. All I know is that um, I was blind, and now I can see. seems like to me he's done a miracle. And, and so he keeps having this conversation with these, these people. They're actually the elite religious people of the community, and they're like, you keep telling them, we don't believe in this guy. So they actually pull his parents in, and they interrogate his parents, and they say, what do you say? And they say, well, you know, He's a grown man. You can ask him yourself. And, and so eventually what happens is he gets tossed out of the synagogue because for, for believing in Jesus. And, and they, just, they finally just toss him out. And so I want to read to you a couple of verses of what, what happens. Beginning with verse 35, chapter 9. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. And Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. And I love the man's response. And the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. He said, Lord, I, I believe. It's, you know what's really ironic about this story is that you have a guy who couldn't see, and now we can. So on a physical level, for the first time in his life, he can see, but also now on a spiritual level, he can see. But the guys that could always see, they can't see. They're blind as a bat. Because Jesus is right in front of him. He's the Messiah. He's performed a miracle. And even though they've seen all the evidence of who he is, they go, you know what? I, I don't want to see. I guess really seeing is not always believing, is it? Sometimes you can actually see Jesus working in your life. You can see Sometimes the miracles that he does around you. And it ought to bring clarity, but you have to be open to it. You have to say, am I, am I really open? Like when, when we're navigating life, when we're looking for clarity, is Jesus really an option in your life? Like really, really? Or is it just kind of like, uh, well, I'll go to church Sunday. Maybe we'll get a couple things straightened out. I don't know. But like on a daily basis, do you even, is he even a part of the equation? Is he involved in your life to the extent you say, you know, I need clarity and, and I need Jesus to have clarity? Now, part of the problem tends to be this. A lot of times we ask the wrong questions. And I'm especially, if you're kind of new to faith or you're exploring faith and you're kind of maybe outside of faith right now and you're kind of looking into this and you're going, yeah, I'm sort of checking it out. Most likely, the first question would be where you'd go. What do I need to do? And why do I say that? Because isn't that what everybody thinks about church? Isn't that what everybody thinks about religion? About God? Well, all I know is that if I become a Christian, you just got to do a bunch of stuff. And it's not do all kinds of stuff. And that's just the way that we, we tend to think of it. We are human beings, not human doings. But we tend to go there first. The question ought to be, 
Who do I need to be? Now, why is this so important? Why would this be the question to ask? Because who we are is going to be what we do. Who we are is what we do. What's really inside of you, at the end of the day, who we really are, our being, that's what you're going to do. That's why it's so important for, for, for us to be plugged in and have a relationship with Jesus because then Jesus will begin to bring clarity. And you see, see when I see myself the way, or my, when I see myself and the world the way Jesus sees it, I don't know how you see the world. We all kind of have our own experiences, education, perspective, family, things that sort of shape and color how we see the world. Well, then I have more clarity in my life if I see it the way that Jesus sees it. See, that's one of my prayers every single day. I say, God, I'm going to always see it my way because I'm just like you. I know what I know. I experience what I experience. My education is what it is. But I, I need to get a Jesus perspective in my life if, if, if I'm going to navigate life the way I want to, if I'm going to get the right answers, if I'm going to get clarity in my life. That's why today we're going to go back and you guess where we're going back to. For those of you that have been with us like this last several weeks, we're right back in the first chapter of Ephesians. Why? Because we're trying to get clarity. And one of the things that you'll discover about the Apostle Paul and every letter that he writes, he always starts off with answering that question of like, this is who you need to be. Not, not, not what you do. He doesn't give us a to-do list. He always says, this is what you need to know, and this is what you need to be. And if you were with us the last several weeks, he said, first of all, it's 216 times through his letters, he said, in Christ. You are in Christ, in Christ. In. So you need to know that. He says, if you are in Christ, then you are chosen, then you are called, then you are forgiven, you are blessed, you are redeemed. You need to know that. So let's... Uh, Let's go back to chapter 1, and we're just going to look at two verses today. Let me say a couple things before I read those two verses. He writes this, the Apostle Paul writes this, to the city of Ephesus. And Ephesus is a complicated city. It's in that particular time, the first century, it was a great city. Uh, it was an important city. Uh, it was not a, a city, it was a city of paganism, which meant that, that most of the people believed in all kinds of gods. As a matter of fact, kind of interesting side note, if you were a Christian, they would call you an atheist in many cases. The Romans would in particular. Because an atheist was not somebody who didn't believe in God. They, in this case, it was people that just believed in one God. And if you only believed in one God, you were an atheist. How could you be that? You need to believe in all the gods. And this was a city that was filled with all these different kinds of gods. And in fact, there was a great temple, Armidas, the temple of Armidas, and it was a sex goddess, and, and so it made that, that city famous. And what happened while Paul was there and he was establishing these churches was that the uh, silversmiths began to lose business. And the reason they, they began to lose business was they, they made little idols. And what, what happened is the word of God began to get out, and Paul and his ministry began to teach about Jesus and the way of Jesus, more, and more people were beginning to become Christ followers, and guess what they weren't buying? Idols. They were starting to get rid of all the idols. Well, the, the silversmiths, man, they got all pushed out of shape about this, and next thing you know, there's a big riot. You could read the story in chapter 19 of Acts, but this is kind of what he's up against. And so, let's read these couple of verses. For this reason, he says... Ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you. 
remembering you in my prayers. And I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom. How many of you guys do a little wisdom right now? You want clarity, right? That's, that's, that's part of the package right there. And revelation so that you may know him better. So that you may know him better. That means we get perspective. I think, I think perspective is one of the most important things in life. You know, perspective is when you actually see it the way you're supposed to see it. And, and perspective is, is if, if I'm looking at this, I'm, I'm looking at this from one angle, but you know, there's, there's a different angle I can see it from. If I want, I can come over, and now I've got a different perspective on that. And that's, that's what perspective is in life. There's different angles and things that you can see it from. So in my life, let me tell you about a perspective that I had that was a wrong perspective, and maybe some of you can relate to this. So I grew up in the church, you know, almost from day one. And I grew up, and our, our church answered the second question really, really well that I gave you. Um, I think it was the second or the first question, which is basically, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? It was all about works. It was all about a thousand rules, more than a thousand rules. And so, so that was my take on what is Christianity? Well, let me tell you, Christianity is about all the stuff that you can't do, all the fun you can't have. That just, that's just, and, and to me, I thought God was kind of mean. You know, I, I, just, I just thought, you know, I, I know that I'm supposed to know that God loves me, but it just seems like he's kind of angry at me. And I, know, I always felt like it was on God's naughty list all the time. And so that was my approach when I prayed. And I'm not just talking about when I'm a kid. I'm talking about when I'm 30 years old. And I'm in ministry. And I'm preaching. And I'm leading students. And I'm still, I've got this thing in my, it's a perspective that I had. I'm, like, I'm right here. And I'm going, you know, I'm, I'm teaching. And I, I'm trying to to help students to know God, but I'm helping them to know the God that I think is kind of angry at me. And one day, it all changed. I was reading through the book of Romans. Once again, probably at least for my 200th time, I'm reading through the book of Romans. And suddenly, it was like the heavens opened up and I just kind of had this epiphany. And I realized, especially as I was moving through the 8th chapter, 7th and 8th chapter, I went, wait a second, wait a second. God's not mad at me. He said that there's, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, chapter 8, verse 1. And in and, and all of the, chapter 7, you know, Paul's talking about what a mess he is morally sometimes, and he can't get it all figured out. And the more I read through Romans, the more I went, wait a second. He, he's for me. It says it. If God is not, he's, he's for us. He's not against us. I mean, and, and on and on. I kept reading, and then I read more, and I read more. And you know what? I, I came through that experience with a whole different perspective. Now, why am I saying this? Because I have a feeling, I just have a feeling that some of you might be here today and you've got the perspective I used to have. You think you're on God's naughty list? You think God's always a little ticked off at you? Okay? And that, that, that's a perspective. And to have clarity in your life, you have to have a good perspective, a, a, a proper perspective. God's vision for us is filtered through the lens of faith and love. Faith and love. How many of you Watch the royal wedding this weekend. See if you got any guys that'll fess up. So let me just say, because I don't want to give my man card away. My wife, yesterday, come home and she goes, you want to watch the royal wedding? And like any good man, I said, no. Why would I want to watch the royal, you know, I don't care about the royal wedding. So then I go upstairs and what is she watching? She's watching the royal wedding. And uh, so I'm reading a book. You know, just because, I, again, I don't want to give my man card away. So I got this book in front of me, and the royal wedding is going on. 
And uh, there is a preacher there. And again, how many of you guys have ever watched a rural wedding? You know, you know what they're like? Everything's stiff and pomp, circumstance. You know, and, and, and yet this guy gets, his name is Michael Curry. And he's a bishop from Chicago. He's an African-American man. And he gets up and he starts to preach in this place like you can't believe. It. And he preaches on love. Like, it was one of the best sermons I've ever heard in my life. What I loved about it, as, as the, the cameras, you know, were kind of moving around the room and all the celebrities and everything, was the, the, the shock and awe on the face of some of the celebrities. Like, you should have seen it. I mean, and they're like, what is this guy doing? Does he know where he's at? Man, he's just preaching straight gospel, straight love. It was a beautiful thing to see. God's vision, so you want clarity. God's vision for us is filtered through the lens of faith, faith in Jesus and love. Because when you have faith in Jesus, you'll have love. Ever since he says, I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your, what? your love for all the people. So that you and I, when we have a relationship with Jesus, we just become to be this person that has love. And love just begins to, to flow through our life. He says, I've not stopped giving thanks and remembering you. And I love the fact that he says, remembering you in my prayers. I'm not going to ask anybody to respond to this, but I wonder how many of you have a prayer list of people that you pray for, daily people that you pray for? You should. You should. If you haven't, I want to encourage you to do that. I'm not going to shame anybody. I'm just going to say, if you don't have a group of people, a list of people to pray for, start doing it. It'd be one of the greatest things you can ever do. I actually have, I can't, I got so many I can't remember. And so I have a list every day and I go through my list and then sometimes I add people to my list. But here's what it does for me. First of all, it helps you because you're some of the people I pray for. All right. So just know a lot of you are being prayed for. Secondly, it goes back, it gives me perspective. Why does it give me perspective? Like for some of you that you fill out stuff, you know, uh, on, our, on our handout there, I'm reading that, and when I'm reading that, it, it's not just telling me about you, but it's giving me a perspective, because sometimes I'm, you know, I get a little, I'm just like the rest of you, a little pity party, you know, poor Stevie, you know, and then I read that, and I'm like, oh my gosh, my life is great, and I get some perspective, and then I, 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 as I begin to pray for people, God begins to just sort of speak to me about that, how, you know, I can be more compassionate towards that person or towards certain people or certain situations. So I just want to say, I mean, if you take nothing out of here today, start a a group of people that you pray for. Because not only will it impact the people that you're praying for, and it will, it'll begin to change you. You're going to get, you say, I want clarity, start praying for people. Watch what happens. Watch how God will begin to give you clarity about a lot of stuff that maybe you never thought you could understand. One day, a guy walked up to Jesus, and you talk about a guy who needed clarity. He was a teacher of the law. And this is, this is the time when the people that were following Yahweh had over 600 laws, like 613 laws or something like that. And he walks up to Jesus, and he says, in so many words, um, I need clarity. And Jesus says, how can I help you? And he said, so <laughs> there's a whole bunch of commands out there. There's a whole bunch of laws. Like, what are the greatest ones? And I love what Jesus says here. This is in the message translation. He says, he says, love the Lord your God with all of your passion and prayer and intelligence and energy. And here's the second, love others as well as you love yourself. There is no other commandment that ranks with these. Jesus takes all of those over 600 laws and commandments and he says, let me just uh, make it simple for you. Two, love God with all you got. 
and love other people as much as you love yourself. Now, that's what I call clarity. Some of you think, wow. Because maybe for you, it is maybe a biblical thing. And maybe there's uh, little nuances you're trying to figure it out. Uh, whenever it comes to that, just go back to the two. Just go back to the two. Love God with everything and love people as much as you love yourself. Now, how does God do this? Well, for a lot of us, maybe, um, God seems far off. And so what God does is he takes what's far and he brings it, it near. Let me give you an example of this. Um, You've often heard me talk about Costa Rica. It's one of my favorite places to go to. And there's a, there's a place over there that almost every time I go to Costa Rica, I go to it because they have all these exotic animals uh, and their natural habitat. I think it's called Manuel Antonio Park. And if you go there, I mean, if you've ever gone to Costa Rica, it's just an amazing place. And these animals are just like, wow. And one of them, one of my favorites is the sloth. I love the sloth. Now, the problem is I'd gone there two or three times, and, and they have tours. You know, you can go on a tour and somebody says, I will show you a sloth. But every time that you'd see a sloth, it would be 50 feet up in a tree. And you actually need binoculars to get a good look at the sloth. And so, you know, I'm, I'm like trying to get the best look. And I'm like, oh, I think I see him up there, you know. And never really got a good look at a sloth. And I didn't want to go to the San Diego Zoo to see a sloth. I want to see it in its natural habitat. So on one of my trips there, we we're going to a rainforest. And uh, on our way up to this rainforest, we're going to do some zip lining and stuff. Um, I'm going to my hotel and on a dirt road. And I go to hang a hard turn on the road, and there's a tree right there. And guess what's in the tree? It's a sloth. But it's not up in the tree. It's at window level. So I pull up, literally, I'm not, I'm not making this up. I, I pull up, window level, the sloth is like right, right here. I can actually reach out and touch the sloth. Now, I'm not going to do it because I don't know a lot about sloths, and I figure it might bite me. But I'm just like, my whole, we're like, are you kidding? It's right there and we're looking at you know and the sloths are so cool because it's it wants to climb the tree if it was any other animal it would have been, you know, shot straight up just you know doing this <laughs> thing like that and i'm like wow it's amazing it's better any any show i'm like we're seeing this up and close and personal see that god wants us to know him not like we're going yep there somewhere but he wants us to know him on a personal level that we would actually experience God in our life and know God in our life. He doesn't want to be far. He doesn't, you know, sometimes I talk to people and they'll go, yeah, the dude upstairs or, you know, you have all these, these different names for God. And you kind of get a sense that God's a little bit far off. James says, if you want to know God, he says, draw near to God and God will draw near to you. Move closer to him and he'll move closer to you. He goes on in verse 17, the Apostle Paul, he says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the glorious Father may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. That you may know him better. I want to just focus for a moment on that word know. It doesn't mean that you may know about him better. That you may have information about him. That you may just have knowledge about God. But that word, it, it, it really infers in the original language, intimacy. That you would intimately, through experience, know God. I know a lot about LeBron James. I've been following him since he was in high school. I know some of his stats. I know that he's right there on the precipice of almost reaching beyond Michael Jordan. Like, that's crazy stuff. I could tell you, I mean, because he's all over the tabloids, going online, you know, there he is, LeBron James, LeBron James. 
But even though I know a lot of, about LeBron James, I don't know LeBron James. I'd love to hang with that dude. I mean, I'd love to go to his mansion one day and just sit down with him and go, hey, man, let's hang out for a while. That would be awesome. But, but, but I don't know him that way. And I, I fear that for, for a lot of people, that's the way it is with God. You know, they, maybe they have read their Bible. Maybe they even went to a Christian school or grew up in church all their life. And they go, yeah, I know a lot about God. But the question is, do you know God on an experiential, he's in my life, he's actually met some of my needs. Sometimes Eve, Eve has, has done miracles. He's given me clarity like I've never had clarity before. If you, that's, that's knowing God, folks. The difference between that and the other is religion and relationship. You know, religion is just like, yeah, I know about God. I, I know Bible professors who I don't really think know God at all. They know a lot about God. So he says, I want you to have the spirit of wisdom. Wisdom helps me to know a few things. It helps me to know what does God value the most? And that, boy, sometimes that calls for absolute clarity, doesn't it? Like when we look at our world and we go, what is, what is I mean, what are the ways of God? What are the priorities of God? What are the, what are the values of God? And, and sometimes you're right in the middle of a situation and it's a crazy situation and maybe it involves your marriage or maybe it involves a, a business deal that you're trying to, to go through or you're going to move someplace or whatever it is and you're going, man, I just, I just, uh, I need the mind of God in this thing. Well, guess what? God, God's all over that, man. If you will get God involved and begin to have communication with him, he will help you navigate those very difficult situations and give you wisdom, which we all need, about how to approach it. Like, what are the real values of God? And then he also wants to give us the spirit of revelation. Well, what is, what is revelation? I'll use myself as an example. I can't tell you how many times in my life I've, I, I tend to look at, probably like a lot of you, I look at situations kind of on the face, you know, surface, especially if it involves people and personalities and conflict. And a lot of times I look at it and so, so sort of from my, my way of approaching things, I make a quick call. I'm like, well, this is that and she's doing that and the reason this is happening is because of him and, you know, on and on. And so I just, boom. Wisdom and revelation would just cut right through that. When you begin to hear from God, I don't know how many times, even with my own children at times, you know, I've overreacted or I think I know what to do. And in that moment, as I begin to see God, God will give me revelation and go, it's not that, Steve. It's, it's not about that at all. You need to get beneath the surface of the situation. There's a deep hurt there. Or the reason that that person is acting the way they are, or the reason that that situation is developing the way that it is, it's not what you think at all. And God begins to give me perspective, and he begins to give me revelation. I got a feeling in this room, some of you are there right now. Like, yeah, yeah I, need, I need to hear from God. I need clarity. You know, one of the ways that I get clarity, he's like, because I know some of you, you've heard us say it before. You want clarity? Well, how do I hear from God? Read the Word of God. That helps a lot. Read the Bible. Uh, pray, because God will communicate with you. But one of the other ones is, is to be with other people, people of God, that can help you sort of navigate those situations. And that's in relationships. I, um, many years ago, um, I was like a lot of pastors, and I'm not, and this is just what a lot of pastors do, because it's the only thing they can do. So they're getting ready to preach on Sunday, right? And so on, during the week, they're preparing a message, 
in a room by themselves, you know, on the internet, looking at the best books, maybe talking to a few people, but trying to put the very best message they can together with all of their, just like me all these years ago, with all of their blind spots. And at some point, a good friend of mine, Mike Quinn, who is actually the lead pastor of New Break Today, said, hey, you know, two heads are better than one for sure. And so we, we, we began to collaborate. And then pretty soon, we brought more people in. And we brought more people in. And in fact, uh, one of the leaders at our church, probably about a year or two after we started doing this, came up to me one day and he said, you know, you're preaching way better than you used to. What's going on? Well, I'll tell you what's going on. Is that suddenly, my, I, I don't have those blind spots that I used to have, because we all have them, every single one of us. If we're just left to ourselves, we don't have people in our life, then we're just going to have some, some blind spots. And suddenly, when you begin to invite people into your life, when I say invite people into your life, I'm talking about opening your life up to some of these people. That's why we have life groups. We call them life groups. You say, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open my life up to you. You open your life up to me, and let's help each other. And what happens is you begin to have perspective in, in that moment. That's clarity. I can't tell you how many times I've got clarity from somebody else. God used somebody else to speak into my life. And if you're not in a life group, you can still get in one. And I encourage you at some point in time just to invite people into your life. And you will begin to get clarity. I want to um, conclude with this last question. It's a great question. And that is, how do I know when I'm growing in my relationship with God? How, how do I know? One of the ways that you're going to know is you're starting to get clarity. And if you don't have clarity, you walk in here and you go, you know, I, I just feel like I'm in a maze. I, I just feel like, like, you know, there's just a fog. And I just can't get clarity, okay? Let today maybe be the first day of your life when you begin to move towards clarity, towards hearing from God, towards God wants to give you the spirit of wisdom, of revelation. He wants to show you what you really ought to do. But you need to let God weigh in on it. You need to invite him in. You need to get God involved. So, in this moment, let's just, just bow our heads for a moment. And I want to pray for all of you. Because I know, I know, that with this many people in the room, there are absolutely people that need clarity this morning. And God knows it too. He's just waiting for you to ask. He's just waiting for you to involve him. So if you're here this morning... Maybe, maybe like me, all those years ago, your, your first point of clarity is, I have, to, I have to start believing that God is a good God. I have to start believing that he actually wants to help me and wants to bless me. And, and maybe for, for, for you right now, that's the deal. And so I just want to encourage you, open your heart to him right now. Know that he's a good God. We sing songs about him all the time, but no, he really is on an experiential level, but you've got to invite him in. And let him be the good God that he is. And then for secondly, you say, I, I actually do believe he's a good God. And I know him experientially, but I, if I'm really honest, I'm not inviting him to certain areas of my life. I'm a little afraid to get him involved in those areas of my life. And, and, and this morning you'd say, you know, I'm going to take a chance. I'm going to take a risk. I'm going to believe that because he is a good God, I'm going to invite him into that scary area of my life where formerly I have not got him involved. And I'm going to ask him to help me to navigate this particular area of my life. Would you do that this morning? Would you do that? Father, I, I pray for these, my brothers and my sisters in Christ. <laughs> we all stand on equal ground before the cross. Troubles, 
choices to make, disappointments, failures, on and on it goes, God. Life is hard. So I, I pray, Lord, especially for those that are crying out from their hearts this morning, I mean, I just need guidance. I, I just need to hear from God, whether, whether it's through another person, God, or, or maybe just you're going to speak to them as they, as they read the word, the Bible. Somehow, some way, Lord, break through and help them to move towards you and to know that if they'll move towards you, you'll move towards them and you'll bring them the kind of clarity they're looking for and they'll be blessing in it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Let's all stand together. Oh, vision of mine.
And Heavenly Father, that's just what we ask for this morning. God, that you would be our vision, that we would see this world, um, God, through your eyes. God, that that we would have clear vision, Lord, of, of every step that we are supposed to take, God, and everything that we are supposed to say as we interact with people, every every um, just instance that you put us in. God, give us clarity. God, give us vision like your vision, Lord. Allow us to see you so clearly and live lives, God, that just reflect you in, in every single way. We love you, Lord. Thank you for loving us first in these things we ask and pray in your son's name. Amen.